Welcome to How Have You Not Seen That? My name is Wilson. I'm Crossman. And I'm Charles. This is a podcast where we discuss movies that we have not seen before, but have perhaps lied about seeing, misled people into thinking that we have seen them in an effort to seem more cool, more with it, more informed. Uh, this week was Charles' selection, and Charles selected on Her Majesty's Secret Service. I imagine one of the few Bond films you haven't seen. Uh, so, Charles, tell us about it. Okay, so uh, this is the one Bond film that George Lazenby did, uh, and he was the first Bond to replace Sean Connery um, in that role. Uh, so in this one, uh, Bond is looking to um, discover what uh, his rival Blofeld is up to. Blofeld's the leader of the Spectre organization. It's the big like crime syndicate um, that is Bond's nemesis in the series. Um, and to find this information, he talks to another like rival crime boss, and the crime boss says that he has to <laughs> marry his daughter, and then he'll give him information about Spectre. Right. Um, so Bond uh, gets the information um, and takes on a fake personality to go to Blofeld's secret Swiss skiing resort. Yeah, he gets uh, he gets the information he gets the information without marrying the daughter. Right. He like kind of woos her but she does she's not that into it. Yeah, although okay. they like go they out a, for a little yeah. while and it's implied that they are starting to fall for each other anyway. Right. He puts on a fake persona uh, to get into this compound and discovers that Blofeld is treating people for allergies. Um, but he's got some like weird stuff going on, right? And eventually Bond gets <laughs> discovered because he slips up and Blofeld discovers that he's actually James Bond. Uh, and Blofeld reveals his plan that he's actually brainwashed these women that he's been treating for allergies. He's actually been brainwashing them and he's released them around the world um, to release some sort of like virus that'll sterilize the world of crops and obviously be like some sort of extinction of humanity or something like that. And he wants to um, hold the world hostage uh, in exchange for, uh, amnesties for amnesty for his crimes and probably a bunch of money. Um, so, um, Blofeld eventually kidnaps, um, the, the girl that... Tracy? Right. Yeah, Tracy. Right. Um, the girl from earlier. Uh, Bond comes back and blows up the facility, uh, and foils the plan, and then they end up actually getting married. Um, but it turns out Blofeld had survived earlier, and they show up and do a drive-by shooting, and they kill Tracy. And then the movie ends right there. Yeah. That, that, there was a lot of things going on in this movie. Um, it was kind of really weird. It yeah. was a really strange movie. I had not seen it before. Um, Grossman, have you seen this one? I, I don't think I had. Okay, well I, now I you have. I've seen most of the really? Bond films. There's 24 of them. Almost 25. Yeah. Honestly, like an hour in, I was like, I have no idea what's happening <laughs> yes. in this film. It's kind of weird, right? I had to read through the Wikipedia summary to like get the first hour. Yeah, there was, like, because it, it opens with him, like, on a beach, like, Bond on a beach rescuing some woman, and then people attack him out of nowhere. And yeah. it's not super clear who those guys are, and that woman I don't think shows up again. No, that was just, no, I think that was Tracy. That was Tracy. Tracy. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that was not clear I, I don't know what the henchmen were doing. There. Yeah. Not, she, she remarks at the end, like, now I have, like, a reason to live. That was it, yes. Oh, yeah, she was, like, walking into the sea to, to die. Yeah. Okay, that was it. Um, Charles, what did you think of this one? So, with old Bond films, <laughs> I kind of compare them to my attitude towards steak, where I feel okay. like they're always, like, hear me out here, I always <laughs> feel like they're really hyped up, and they're considered as some sort of, like, very masculine pursuit, I guess. Sure. They're, like, always put on a pedestal as that kind of thing. 
Um, but every time I watch an old Bond film, most of them at least, I always feel very disappointed by them. They never, f they never feel like they live up to that hype. It's just like you know, paying a lot for a steak. Um, and that's that's pretty much how I felt about this one. It, it lacked a lot of what I find fun in a Bond film. It was kind of weird. Super weird. Um, the relationship with Tracy is supposed to be the center point of the film, and it wasn't really that well developed. Um, there's a few impressive scenes, and there's probably some scenes that were really impressive for their time, like the ski scenes and th things like that, um, but they're harder to appreciate now. Um, so all in all, like, you know, Maybe not that great. Okay. So are you saying you don't like steak? I am usually disappointed by steak, especially considering how much I paid for it. It never lives up to the image in my mind of steak, which is, I always imagine, you know the scene in The Matrix where Cypher is making a deal with the yes. agent and he's eating that delicious looking steak? Yeah, that one looks good. Yeah, every time I order steak, I think about that <laughs> and it never lives up to that. Proof we're I not living. I just feel like I wasted my money. So proof we're not living in The Matrix then, yeah. is what you're saying. Okay, because every yeah. steak would be that good. What do you think of this one? Other than being confused by it, uh, how do you feel about it? It's total nonsense. Yeah. It, it makes no sense. And it's one of the most confounding <laughs> films I've watched in years, actually. Yeah, I, yeah, I get that. I kind of liked it. Yeah. Like, a lot of the stuff in it worked for me. Like, there's there are things to watch around, and there's, like, you kind of just have to go with a lot of it's what's happening here. It's part of its time and of its genre. Yeah, but... Or the franchise, I guess, because it's a very misogynistic franchise. If, yeah, of course. It's like, that's all of them before that, this, and really most of them since this. Pretty racist, too. Pretty, pretty racist, too. Yeah, uh, like, that's... Why. Once we got to the, like, ski layer... Yes. Uh, that was cool, and there were, like, a lot of... Um, things that were pulled into the N64 Bond film that were <laughs> that came from this film, which I didn't know. So it was the interesting game? to see them. Yeah. Yeah, the GoldenEye is what you're talking yeah, about. Golden yep. Eye. Yeah, GoldenEye. Uh, because the there's like kind of like a cave layer underneath the ski fort. On top of a mountain. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and that's like directly referenced in the N64 game. Mm. And yep. the, like the laboratories and like uh, the like spy camera. There's mm -hmm. there's a lot of things that are like pulled into uh, the N64 game. So it's cool to like to see the origin of those as a fan of that game. Sure. Um, and I I think like the sequence on the mountain is interesting, and everything else around that is like not, yeah. I mean, when he gets to the layer, it's very classic Bond, right? He's in this layer. He's trapped. He's trying to figure out information. Yeah. He's trying to bang women. You're yeah. Right. Like the middle, like what, 40 minutes of this movie was just like a 60s sex romp. Like, yeah. he's literally just, like, sneaking from room to room <laughs> yeah. in order to, to sleep He's trying to moment. schedule them right. before yeah. he gets discovered. Like, that was very James Bond to me. And yeah. a great time capsule for the design of, like, 1968, 1969. Sure. Like, the furniture is, like, incredible and, like, the yeah. interior the costuming. design and costuming yeah. are all incredible. And... Yeah, so that was that was really cool and, and definitely a highlight. But I, I, I had been drinking, but <laughs> but the first hour of this film, I was just like, I've, I honestly have no idea who anybody is, and they throw like, a lot at you. What is happening? Yeah, and like and the they're, they're doing spy shit. It's just what always happens. The conversations are always like couched in like terms and yeah things, names, like yeah names. It's just like I I don't know who anybody is, like. I, why are we in Spain? Although I guess it was Portugal. I read on the Wikipedia. <laughs> okay, apparently it was yeah. Portugal. Sure. Why? Yeah. Why yeah. is he gambling? Like, why is he fronting 
$20,000. You did the math, right, Preston? Yeah. yeah. Talk us through this. Yeah, okay. So <laughs> this is the sequence at the beginning when he's yeah. when he's playing Black So the, the Bond woman was Tracy. Tracy. Are we sure about that? Steps yeah. up to okay. the... They're playing Baccarat, which is yeah. like the classic Bond game. She steps up to the table and just like makes a bet and then loses. Okay. Was uh, it Baccarat or was it... It's Baccarat, yeah. Okay. And then... She's like in trouble because she bet twenty thousand dollars <laughs> or twenty thousand francs, and Bond just like tosses two. Uh, they're not chips, but they're like blocks. Big, yeah, uh, cards. The big money chips. Yeah, the big money chips. And if I recall the math correctly, twenty thousand francs at the time would have been four thousand dollars, and then four thousand dollars in today's dollars is twenty eight thousand dollars. Yeah. So he casually just like tossed twenty eight thousand dollars <laughs> on the table and was like. I gotcha. Yeah. It's all British government Yeah, that's money the anyway. crown's money, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's the, the queen's queen, money. The queen paid for that. Yeah. <laughs> it did take me a minute to figure that out. There was, I found, like, a PDF online that had, like, the 1968, like, translation of yeah. dollars to francs. Okay. And, and, like, backed into it from there. Wow, some extremely nerdy economist. Yeah. Put that together, <laughs> Because right? yeah. there's no website that's, like, 1968 francs to $2,019. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I needed the, like... Transaction. Right? Okay, well, this is a website you can uh, you can write, right? Like, so this this is a service that can be provided. Yeah. <laughs> we've identified a hole in the um, internet. But yeah, it was such a confusing movie. Right. Uh, I, I I am not going to claim to have followed everything that happened here. I think there is stuff that just like explicitly makes no sense or relies heavily on convenience and like coincidence. Mm-hmm. Um, and like okay, fine. Like it's a it's a Bond movie. It it like goofy shit is gonna happen. Goofy sure, shit sure. did happen in this movie. Like I'm in it for that. I really liked the lead performance. I yeah. thought Lansby was great. Like I think that he brought something to this role that like really textured this character in a way that Connery didn't. Um, not to say that Con- he was better or worse than Connery, but he was mm-hmm. certainly like n- notably a notable departure from that performance. But really, Diana Riggs was fantastic as Tracy. I thought she was really, really good. Mm-hmm. I thought she elevated this. Um, I only learned after watching it that that's um, the Tyrell grandmother from Game of Thrones. Same. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Same um, actor. She's a uh, rad in Game of Thrones. She's amazing. She's like the best character in the series. Yeah. And there's an yeah. argument for her being the best character in this movie, too. Like, yeah. I thought she was really, really good here. And the two of them, like, elevated this movie a lot for me. And and I, I appreciated the weirdness of it. I appreciated that it was kind of undercutting some of the normal Bond stuff. Like, it ends sad, right? Like, it yeah. ends on he a... He gets death. married. He gets married, and then his wife gets killed. And it's, like, for me, genuinely sad it's, that that happens. It's fucking dark. Right. And, like, like Yeah, and he yeah. gives a pretty good line yeah. like, it, to close out the movie. Yeah, and it, it, it's affecting, right? And, like, it, it it's affecting because the Tracy performance is so good. Like, the, the that sold in the script level, like, as a pretty basic kind of Bond girl for the most part. And I feel like Diana Rigg really elevates that. And to her credit. It would have been cool to see a sequence where it's, like, the, like, Bond rampage movie <laughs> that follows this. Like, where he, like, exacts revenge on... He goes John Wick yeah. on him. Is that yeah. what... Yeah, oh, is that, I, don't, I don't know what happens to the next one. I know they bring Connery back. Yeah, Connery yeah. came back. Um, the next one was just terrible. Was it? Okay. Yeah, it was basically, like, what, what was the Pierce Brosnan film. It was uh, Diamonds Are Forever. Okay. Um, it was a lot like Die Another Day, actually, if you remember that one. I can't I mean, keep all these all the, all the non-Goldeneye 
uh, Brosnan movies. Brosnan movies are garbage. Yeah. Oh yes. yes. Like, no, yeah. for sure. Um, yes. But yeah. yeah, in in Diamonds Are Forever, I don't I didn't watch the beginning of that. I've seen it a lot on TV and that's why I okay. feel like I've seen it, but basically I think Blofeld like makes a laser out of diamonds in space. Oh, okay. That and makes threatens sense. to blow up the earth. That makes sense. Sure. <laughs> sure. Why would he want to yeah. do that? <laughs> okay. Um, but this one I I was surprised by it. I was expecting cuz like the reputation for this movie is like it, this guy only lasted one movie because everybody hated it. Everybody wanted Connery back immediately because this was so like nonsensical and bizarre. And like it was, you know, nonsense for large chunks of it. It was really strange. The but villain I, plot is very weird. The villain plot is super strange. Doesn't really make sense. There that much sense. But like that core relationship between Bond and and Tracy worked for me. Like I thought yeah. that there was something there. Like you kind of have to. You know, acknowledge that they just like don't tend to it for the forty minutes in the middle of the movie, <laughs> and like fine. But like when they're on screen together, it really, really works. And then I liked that. Lazenby, Lazenby. I'm not sure how to say it. I don't know. It. I think it's Lazenby. Yeah, he's a very angular face. Yes, it was like yeah. very distracting. like throughout. He yeah, yeah, he looks like. Uh, honestly, he looks like an N64 character because <laughs> the the polygons are just like yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> He also appears in the movie to be a giant. Um, yeah. And then when I looked him up online, he's only like 6'2". Which is tall. So, but, but he's like yeah. walking, like he's Tower. towering over people in this movie. And he's like, he's on the tall side, but like. Not to that degree. I'm I'm over 6'2". And, <laughs> and you're not like, a giant. I'm, you're just tall. I'm tall, but yeah. not. Freakishly tall. And he looks like, there's a scene particularly when he's, um breaking into the lawyer's office, I believe, is yes. what's happening. <laughs> when he, play, uh, he pulls out that yeah. Playboy and rips out the centerfold. Yeah, yeah. He, looks at, <laughs> he looks at pornography for a while. He's waiting for the thing to unlock minutes. the safe, yes. right? Really considering that um, naked woman. <laughs> when he's walking around that town, which I I have no idea where it was. Right. Or I thought it's Wasn't clearly it shot in London, but it's meant to be somewhere else. Yeah, maybe, was, maybe not. I don't know. I don't think it was meant to be London. Um, He's just walking in that city, and he's like a foot over like <laughs> everybody. everybody else. Like he looks comically tall. Yeah, and it, it's also the '60s, so he's not very like muscular. I think we're used to like very muscular leading men, mm -hmm. and he's actually like quite frail looking. Yeah, uh, yeah. Or he's not like frail, but he's like he's lanky. He's not ripped. Yeah, yeah. like he doesn't look like uh, Daniel Craig. Right, like Daniel Craig is in great shape in those yeah, Bond movies. Yeah, like he, he is, he's probably the buffest Bond by far. Yes, I agree, and like that might be just a product of like him coming up in the superhero era, and like we need to mirror that a little bit. I don't know, uh, but yeah, relative to our modern Bond, yes. Yeah, I mean, leading men now are like shredded. Yes, and he, yeah, he appears just to be like on the thin side. Right, I guess he was yeah. a model. When I was reading that. Okay, he was like a male model, and then like that went into acting. Yeah, with that with the those cheekbones, I can. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Um, um, and actually, the photos I found him from from the time because I was like, he's so odd looking. Yeah. <laughs> um, a lot of photos appear with him with facial hair, and he actually like looks normal. Then. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and all that. yeah, and it was like, oh, I get why he's a model, but when he's in the movie, it's like it's so distracting. Yeah, like, it's a, a striking anyway. Yeah. Um, I kind of like that they have him like, you know, he gets hit in this movie, right? Like, and he kind of yeah. makes mistakes now and then, and. Mm -hmm. You know, like he ends on a failure. I like that they have him, like they have Bond as a guy that can make mistakes in this one, which is not the case with with Connery's Bond. He's also like not a loner character. Like he invades with like an army at the end. 
Yeah, that's true. He has all yeah, these. Well, I mean, movies. they've done that in, in previous Bond films. Like in uh, You Only Live Twice, which is the one right before this one, uh, they like invade Blofeld's compound with ninjas. Sure. sure. That's the they Asian, have a whole army of ninjas. Oh, yeah, that's the attack. very it, problematic the Asian one. one. Oh, extremely. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. the most racist one, right? Oh, uh, <laughs> there's a lot. There's, there's, there's a lot. Doozies. This one uh, had, like, a, the women who are, like, oh, yeah. yeah. The thing. They yeah, were, that like, was. They're, like, feeding all the women, and, like, the food is, like, assigned to them culturally. <laughs> yes. Uh, which was, like, or racially, and it was, like, oh, holy shit. Yes, like, that <laughs> was pretty explicit. Uh, the, the one girl, like, had a plate just of potatoes in, like, various shapes, I'm pretty uh, sure. Yeah, but she was allergic to potatoes. Right, and, and there, was someone, there was someone that he was sitting next to that was allergic to chicken. Like, can you have a chicken allergy? Is that a thing? Honestly, I don't know. Okay, yeah, but then she's like, "Oh, now I can eat this drumstick." But there was some like serious race science going on in that scene. I was like, "God damn!" That that whole and just the idea that like here's this harem for James Bond. There's like one of every type in here. Yeah, (laughs) which they've done in other movies too. Of course, yeah. yeah, and that. Yeah. It, it, I mean, I'm sure it read as plenty racist at the time. It has aged even worse. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. That's just what that is. I thought it was an interesting choice during that sequence that they have him dress up like Sherlock Holmes. Like he yes. looks a lot like Holmes. Yes, he does have, and like for a while. Yeah, too. And, like, and, well, he's playing as uh, during the, the middle the, hour, the heraldry <laughs> dude. Right. Yeah. The who is apparently a Sherlock Holmes Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, no. that's. That's what I mean. It's unmistakable. Like they have the pipe, they He's have the, the hat, the jacket with the big sleeves. Like it was clearly intended to be that. And was okay. My understanding of like his in was that oh yeah <laughs> he was going to he was there to investigate the ancestral claims of Blofeld. Blofeld, Blofeld yeah. was pretending to be somebody else though. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. To figure out if he should inherit the money of. To, the, to figure out if Blofeld should inherit the wealth of this, like, ancestral thing. Yeah. And he wants the title and, of Count. Right. Yeah. The there's some, yeah, there's some estate at stake that he wants. Yeah. That was... <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. And <laughs> I think that the implication is that Blofeld cut off his earlobes in order to better mimic the family he's trying to... Yeah, because there's, yeah. like, a genetic... Yeah. Right, big for this family again. Race science, yes. Uh, that they like all have like these odd like earlobe defect. Right, and I, th- I think that's the implication is that he actually yeah. D- yeah dismembered himself, disfigured himself in order to yeah. to do this. Um, so yeah, that was one of the more convoluted moments. Although that was also a nice. Um, we learned before that that the Bond family. Uh, slogan is the world is not enough. Yeah, they reference that in the movie. Yeah, which is then a, the title of yeah. a much I mean, much later by family motto in yeah. that movie. So it yeah, nice because they, and th- I think that brings us to another point here, like the weird continuity choices oh, in yeah. this movie, because like and in the franchise. Yeah, like well, the franchise in general, but this one kind of calls attention to him because it's the first time they switched to a different bond and like they break the fourth wall within the first 15 minutes yeah where he said he looks at the camera and says this never happened to the other guy yeah and then the movie continues what a weird choice <laughs> what a bizarre thing to but do also the same like money penny from the other films yes. the same m and yeah, the same q, q. yes um, but uh, then like they recast blofeld yes and but also in earlier connery Bond movies, Blofeld and Bond had definitely met. Yes. Yeah. And they behave in this movie as though they've never met. Yeah. Which is 
unexplainable. <laughs> like, yeah. Because they, like the movie draws a point to like this being the same guy. Like like he he looks through his desk and like there's all these souvenirs from his earlier movies and they like play the themes from those movies when he's looking at the things mm-hmm. and well, like I, yeah i didn't notice that actually. oh yeah they yeah that's yeah. what happens and then like in the credit sequence at the beginning they like have clips from the earlier movies like i did like, notice running that. through the hourglass that's yeah yeah cool. it was cool but like they're calling attention to the to the point like this is the same character yeah like these movies are all connected it's a different guy but it's really the same guy and then, like, they have these weird choices that cut directly against that. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, it would fit the theory doing? that Bond is, like, a title for different agents. But I think they've established in-universe that James Bond is one person. Is the 007 is the 007 might not be the same person. Right. Um, but I don't know. It's messy, and I you just don't think about it. And that's just it. And which is <laughs> how I ended up approaching this movie in general. Like, there's going to yeah. be stuff that just is gibberish, and you... Watch around that, or you yeah. just accept. Well, another it. funky thing in the Bond franchise is sometimes they have different or the same actor play multiple roles. So, okay. like in You Only Live Twice, one actor plays his informant and gets killed. But the whole time, I'm thinking it's going to be a twist because that actor plays Blofeld in a different Bond film. God. He plays literally the main villain in a different Bond film, and he's this random informant dude in You Only Live Twice. So. I don't know. I got, I got faked out by that. Yeah, even in later Bond films, they do that too. Because in one of the 80s ones, I think with Timothy Dalton, they had a, they had like an American guy playing some character. And then he shows up later in GoldenEye as well <laughs> as a different character. That's very perplexing. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, yeah, for a movie that, or for a franchise that, you know, has been running this long, it, it plays really fast and loose with continuity. Because, like, sometimes it really, really cares about continuity. Like, these Daniel Craig movies, like, continuity has been, like, pretty present throughout yeah. all four of them how many has he done three and working on four i believe okay it was it's it's four casino, and working on five casino royale quantum and solace and skyfall specter and specter everybody specter. forgot so, about specter yeah. Yeah. yeah and yeah and then because yeah specter was all about like what happened in the earlier three movies and like really drawing Tying them together yeah really drawing a point totally. to that but then you have like the connery movies are barely connected and everything that seems to happen after this a lot of which i have not seen seems loosely connected if at all it's like yeah. really weird choices throughout yeah, this franchise. Spectre comes back a lot. Yes. Um, Blofeld, like the constants yeah. are like Bond himself, obviously. Spectre. And Spectre, Blofeld, um, Bunny Penny, Q. Like you have some yeah. of these constants and then like a rotating yeah. cast of Bond girls. <laughs> yep. In every movie. Yep. Um, sometimes multiples. Um, how does this one stack up to like our favorite Bond movies? Like do we, can, can I, can, I can pick a favorite, but I don't know if you guys can. I feel like I could put this in the middle because okay. there's just a lot of like actually really bad Bond films, especially <laughs> yeah, throughout Roger Moore's uh, like tenure as Bond. I feel like I really dislike Roger Moore. Okay. And most of his Bond films. I don't, I don't know if there's any good ones in there. Roger Moore looks ancient in all of the Bond films he's in. Yeah. Yes. And <laughs> yeah. I feel uh, like his. Mutual Kill being the most notably bad one. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's yeah. the super oh, racist weird. one, right? Where they go to San Francisco? Is that that one? It's they do go to it's San Francisco. It's not good. Um, yeah, yeah, it's not good. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, what I thought that might be one of the worst ones. It's confoundingly bad. Okay, and yeah, it's so talking through the plot of that one would take <laughs> like two hours. Like, <laughs> okay, I yeah. will continue to not watch it then. Yeah, yeah. I, have, I have no desire. I um, do. I do still need to see Moonraker though, because that one sounds. Wild. wild yes yeah moonraker is pretty i need to see that pretty one. strange um but i it's feel like one every of two time... films that jaws is in yeah oh, really yeah. <laughs> yeah but yeah again every time i see roger moore i just 
don't like those movies. They take a weird turn to the campy side, but like a little too far, I feel like. Right. Uh, and it's just not interesting. Yeah. Well, and I feel like that these movies were leaning, like that's part of the reason that Connery works so well is that mm-hmm. his performance like had an awareness of the absurdity. Like he mm-hmm. was like in on the joke, right? Like, and he was in on the irony. And that style of Bond like worked up until Austin Powers, basically. And that's a long time <laughs> yeah. for that to yeah. function. And I think that that tone and like that kind of performance informed a lot of the franchise. And it's a where this movie departs. Like yeah. that, this performance isn't doing that at all. Well, so actually, I, w- I would say that the Roger Moore films are trying to be a comedy. Sure. Mm-hmm. And are terrible and not funny. <laughs> Just doing a bad job of it. Yeah, part of the reason why they're so bad. Yeah. Well, and and, and like I think every little thing is a joke in those movies. Right. And like, like the, I don't think that survived Austin Powers. Like I think no, that no. that killed that. Um, that which is why we get like very serious Daniel Craig after that. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Well, it's funny how these yeah. are a product of their time because in the eighties you get like Timothy Dalton sure. and you get kind of like a very like 80s action movie feel to them, right? He's like fighting like, you know, drug syndicates. and that Yeah, 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 very yeah, Reaganera. He's very in at some point. Yeah, He's that's the Roger Bayou. Moore one. Oh, yeah. okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Bayou one's pretty bad too. Yeah. But they keep sending him to America. Like that's, it's like, exotic. I, I guess he's I mean, a jet setter. It's where they make all the money. <laughs> yeah. The, it's like their biggest audience. Yeah, that's yeah, that's true. Uh, what's your favorite Bond movie, Charles? Mine's GoldenEye. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's, I, that's I a good would, pick. I would agree, actually. Really? I, yeah, I love GoldenEye. Yeah, I, it's just sweet. I think it's best in the series. Like, right, It's certainly the best Brosnan one by a mile, I think. Yeah. I think it's not close. I, I just love like every beat of that film. And it moves like really fast. It's got some of the coolest action scenes it's, out there. It's really tight. Um, Sean Bean, incredible. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, Alan Cummings, super good in that uh-huh. too. Absolutely. Um, and the woman that plays the two women in the film, Xenia and Natasha, are great as well. Like all, yeah. just like all around, like great characters. Oh, and like tightly plotted, which is yeah, what you want from these. You want, you yeah. do want it to, you like, know, move really, really good action scenes. Yeah. yeah. For for me, it's Casino Royale. I really like Casino Royale. I, I like Another Casino Royale. Pick, yeah. yeah, I like that one. For me, it's Casino Royale, and then a close second is uh, From Russia with Love. Okay. From Russia with Love is great. I, I like the like stylization of Goldfinger, but if you rewatch it, it's. And this one suffers from this too. The pacing on those older Bond films is like, right? Go, you just want to be it's like. It's a different style. Go, yeah. 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 That's like, another problem I have watching older Bond films. They just had not figured out like. Yeah. You just want to you know roll with everything. Just keep it and, and if you're not doing action stuff, it should be funny or it should advance the plot in a significant way. And man, there are some just there, lots of there extra are like scenes. Ten minutes in this film where he's just like. Looking at a printer, yes, like, <laughs> right, or like <laughs> waiting for that safe to open up. Yeah, yes. yeah. Uh, we like, have like a mini subplot with a blonde guy that was never introduced. Right. So and, who is this? Yeah. What is he doing? He's uh, on film for a significant amount of time. Yeah, I think that was his, it was his spy buddy, right? And then he gets killed. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we get that, but like, it's never like yeah. set up. And that's <laughs> it. My favorite like 1960s editing moment in this movie is when the guy in the skis goes off the cliff and he just falls <laughs> and falls. And I kept waiting. I was like, oh, so this is it. Or he's just going to go off they screen. They show him land. But then, yeah, yes, but stuff. then yeah. it's like a several second shot after seeing him fall for yeah. like three or four cuts where he just falls straight down and then... It's like, it's like Wiley Coyote where he lands and you see like the poof. Like, yeah, it was like... like 
Yeah. I, I was flabbergasted. I was <laughs> cracking up because it went on for so long and they showed the whole thing. It was such it a was long like, cut. Bob just like murdered that guy. Right. And like they were very explicit about how far that ball was yeah. and it was like hundreds of feet. Yeah, at and least. what does that do? That set up the danger of like one later fight scene where he has to fight a guy on the edge of the cliff and then he right. throws the other guy off. <laughs> yeah, like are we yeah. I I, I saw for a second, I was like, are we gonna watch this guy too? Like, yeah, yeah. Is that what's gonna happen? <laughs> There's also a guy gets thrown into a snowblower. Yes. And, like, oh, yeah. That was so gory out of nowhere. For several minutes, blood comes out <laughs> yes. of the uh, of the end, <laughs> and this... people are skiing around it. Oh, and like under it and yeah. things. I was like, it, it was like something out of Fargo. I was like, yeah. what the hell is going on? Yeah. Yeah, because this movie like was basically blood free. Like the there was violence, but they wasn't explicit about it. And like everyone's shooting at everybody and missing. And mostly it's just getting punched in the jaw. And then all of a sudden this guy goes through a giant like industrial grade snowblower. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, holy cow. Like just, yeah, just shredded. Just ramped it up there. <laughs> all yeah. of a sudden. And they show like bloody snow like coming out of the end for, right. for a it's, while. It's a very, while. very clear about what's happening here. Yeah. 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 Um, I don't think that it would last that long if you actually went through a snowblower like that. No. Yeah. No. And I don't think that it would like really cut somebody up that finely. Like a human body. No, not at all. It would just like you wreck saw on Fargo how much effort that Right, took. exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, that was a weird moment. Um, but frankly, I think one of the more disappointing aspects of this movie for me in general was were the, the fight sequences. Like, yeah. they were just poor, like on a technical level, the, poorly done. That it's awkward is bad. Bizarre. It's just bad. It, it cuts like offbeat on yes. things in snappy ways that are like, hard to track yeah and it's like I've, I've never seen something edited that way it, it, it literally looks unprofessional like yeah, it, yeah. like like so like a like some like a novice did it uh, for the fight sequences the rest yeah. of it i think is fine but like for there are there are moments where like you'll see bond knock a guy over he's on the ground it'll cut to something and then it'll cut to that guy just on his feet punching and it's like there's no point where we like see him There's stand. No continuity. Or, right. It's like, like a Batman TV series. Yeah, like from moment from beat to beat, like you can't connect how this stuff is happening in the action sequences. Yeah. And I, I was really floored, especially because this is after From Russia with Love, which has one of the best fight sequences in action movies outright mm-hmm. in that in that train at the end. And that they learned nothing from that evidently like they just didn't watch that because different people it it, it was it was and and it's so it's really bizarre to me that this franchise would drop the ball like that um when they're invading the ski fort Mm -hmm. um (laughs) yeah there's there's a moment (laughs) where bond like hops out of a helicopter and then he's like suddenly on a sled like sliding on a walkway. Yes, that was hilarious. And he's like shooting. Oh, yeah. He's like shooting all the guys. <laughs> like it's he like curled horrible. himself down there, curling. Uh, yes. Oh yeah, and the, and the woman um, that he's in love with is inside, Crazy. and they're throwing like grenades at the fort and like shooting into it. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm just like, there's gonna like shoot her. Actually. Yeah. She ends up taking a guy out. Like that was she does. that was one of the better action sequences in the she, movie. Yeah, she threw a guy into modern art. And yes, it was like spikes on a wall. <laughs> Got him. Yeah, right, like one of those check off spikes. Right. <laughs> yeah, I saw yeah. them earlier in the movie. Got him. But like that was actually pretty well constructed. Like that sequence, I think, worked well from an editing and and staging I, I standpoint. I was surprised by that sequence because suddenly yeah. she's fighting somebody. And right. For like for nineteen sixty eight, when they're making this film, it's like. Well, that's kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, and they she, like don't really go back to that often in in all of the Bond films, right? Oh, and then we have well, not then, but then before that, rather, we have her 
um, driving the car during the getaway sequence, right? Like yeah. doing a lot of car stunts, essentially. A pretty good car chase, I think. Yeah, it was. And, and she's involved in the ski chase later mm-hmm. in the movie, too. Like they give her a lot to do the at the second end. ski chase in this like, movie. Yeah, yeah like they. <laughs> I, I almost wonder if there was like a recent Winter Olympics like before this movie. I didn't research it. But no, like... there is. Um, <laughs> they were gearing up for or um, I forget which one it was. I looked it up. There was around the Olympic because they show the Olympic logo. At yes. Yeah. And like yeah. this is a very winter sports theme. <laughs> Um, Bond film, like yeah. they have a bobsled chase to close that out. That was so movie. bizarre. That was so and it weird. Got, it's a very long and not that interesting chase scene. <laughs> yes, it, that bobsled would the course would be like forty miles long, <laughs> right? Like they're just wrapping it's, around it's and like around the runway in the Fast and the Furious. Yeah, yeah or airplane. Yeah, yeah. yeah it just keeps going. <laughs> um, that was confounding. Too. Yeah, I what yeah. a weird choice. And then they have Blofeld get like railed against this tree like in the, in the corner neck, while they're in going the, like 50 miles an yeah, hour in the neck and then he like shows up 15 minutes later in a brace and he's fine yeah it's like that is that would definitely kill a dude like yeah. there's no way anybody survives oh, yeah, that it, 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 people die doing bobsled of course they yeah, do it's yeah. incredibly dangerous yeah. yeah yeah so like that was just one of numerous things that on a physical level made no sense in this movie yeah um but yeah, that bobsled sequence, I, I was, again, just utterly flabbergasted that they would make that choice. There like, were a few scenes that I was pretty impressed by, uh, including the car chase scene. I really like mm-hmm. the scene where he's in the, like, the trolley or the, with all the gears room with the gears. Yeah, and he's yeah. trying to figure out how to get out. And he has to keep, like, going back and forth because they keep turning the tram on and he's going to get, like, you know, stuck in the gears and like, yeah. ground up. Um, and I thought they did a good job of, like, establishing... The mechanics of the scene and then like building up the tension and the danger while he gets closer and closer to the exit um yeah and then, that... like he finally makes it out and then almost gets his hands or fingers run over by the actual tram like that was a really cool scene yeah it was another example of like him macgyvering a solution to things which mm-hmm. i don't think we normally see that often oh, from yeah. bond because yeah, usually cool it, usually it's just like Here's all the gear at the equipment at the beginning of the movie, and like this movie just didn't have that. Like, yeah, there, there was wasn't, no QC. There was no moment where it's like, here's your cool gadget that's going to be exactly what you need in an hour. And it was like, oh, I need to tear off the pockets of my pants in order to climb across this rope. Yeah, the yeah. wire. Yeah. yeah, and or I need to like to not get rope burned. To not get rope burned, or I, or I, or when he like has that stick that he attaches a. Uh, a race or two and then clamps that onto something in order to open up his door yeah to, so he can go have sex with that redhead <laughs> like, <laughs> that whole thing it's like i've never seen anything like that in a bond movie usually it'll be like he has some gizmo that does it right and that yeah, wasn't and it that here was pretty cool it was it, it worked um so yeah like and i think that sequence that you're describing with the trolley house or whatever like that's an example of really good editing right because you see yeah. exactly like how this stuff happens in sequence like yeah. why this thing is moving when this other thing moves like why he has to manipulate what he needs to manipulate here stakes are well established right yeah, and it like, reminded me of our description of like a spielberg action. yes yeah that's exactly what it was like you're you're, you're running the money there um so yeah that worked really well so it's really strange to me that the same people that made that sequence also made like the yep. fight scenes at the beginning <laughs> of this movie because they like that those sequences break all of the rules that yeah. the later sequence very closely follows um really really weird choice I, I was also impressed by uh, the ski chases. Sure. Um, they they looked pretty real. Like it looked like it was actually like stunt actors skiing down. I think so. Pretty intense looking uh, like ski slopes. Mm-hmm. 
Um, they have one where they're skiing through an avalanche, and that looked pretty impressive. Like it, it was a pretty cool set piece. Yeah, scene. they manipulated the film there. Like you could, like the yeah. figures, you could. Yeah, they were not actually. There. Yeah, but I yes. can tell you, you weren't actually literally thrown but into an avalanche. But the it, it avalanche looked good. Looked good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yes, I, I agree. That, yeah, that, I was, was cool. like, how did they film like an avalanche happening? I, yeah, I have no right? idea. Like, yeah, I don't but, know. Did you make a mini avalanche? No, I the model like the. In situations like that, when it starts to warm up, they set avalanches uh, on purpose. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. So that they like Con- control build them. up too much. Yeah. Um, so they probably just like knew one was going to happen and like okay. went and filmed that. That yeah, that makes you're, sense. you're probably right. That's uh, yeah. I imagine. And then exactly. they composited the actors onto the avalanche happening. Yeah, little yeah. figures. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you're right. That that worked as well. So yeah, there's a lot of. A lot of things that worked in this movie, right? It, I mean, it's it comes across as like a mishmash, I think, because yeah. there are so many things that just flat out don't work or don't make sense, and it's like really a departure from Bond in general, not just from Connery, but like the series, as far as I know, hasn't really gone back to this kind of tone and like this kind of performance, maybe until Daniel Craig showed up, mm-hmm. and that I think. Disturbed a lot of 1969 audiences. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine what yeah. it would have been like then because, like, this was the first time they changed a Bond actor. Yep. Right? And, like, you know, that's a big deal back then. I, I assume Bond was a huge deal in the 60s. So they, I mean, they made, what, five movies before this? Yeah. yeah. So, like, this would have caused <laughs> quite a stir. JFK so. was, like, a huge fan of yeah. Bond. That makes perfect sense. It was actually <laughs> yes. one of the reasons that became popular in the U.S. Okay. Oh, he, like, yeah. he, like, talked about, like, reading the books. Mm-hmm. Well, the the books are. I haven't actually read them, but I've heard that they're just a real trip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like, apparently, oh. this one's fairly close to the book. This really? is like a departure from <laughs> the other Bond films where they just kind of like take the idea and, and make it into a movie. And adapt this it. one is fairly, fairly close to the plot of the book. I see. Wow. So yeah. some, someone wrote this down, huh? <laughs> like, and then like yeah. put it to. Ian Fleming. <laughs> put it to paper. Yeah. Like, okay. If, if you say so. Um, that's in, but, yeah, but yeah, my understanding of the reaction to this in the 60s was that it was like universally hated. Like, the people were, the audiences were very hostile to it. They didn't like the new Bond. They didn't like that. It ends on this sad note. They, mm-hmm. they were like upset that Tracy dies at the end. Like, people hate change. People hate, yeah, that's exactly what it is. And like, the. That is why Sean Connery ends up coming back. Although apparently, uh, how do you say it? Lansby, Lazenby, um, didn't want to make another one. Like that's what yeah. he, said. he said. I actually he... read that it was during filming that he announced it. I think he said something about the contract being like too, like substantial that he didn't want to continue. Yeah, some, some, he just wasn't into it. <laughs> he didn't yeah. want to make any more. Um, so I don't know if he had wanted to continue if they would have let him or not, because yeah. again, this one's not well received. But apparently he, was, he wasn't he was feeling it. <laughs> like, yeah. and he, which is a little surprising, because I do think it's a really good performance from him. I think he's good here. Um, but yeah, unsu- unsurprisingly. Uh, I was surprised to find out he was alive. Too. Currently? Yeah, he's, oh. he's alive. How, much, how old? He must be quite elderly at this point. Um, I think Connor's still around. Yeah, that's yeah, that's true. Really, Roger Moore only just died. Yeah, yeah that's true. But yeah, Connery is still around. Wow. Yeah, you thought he was dead? You thought? Dead? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like shocked. I think he's still alive. Yeah. yeah. This is this is a Mandela effect moment for you, right? <laughs> I guess. Yeah. 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 Connery's still around. Uh, Pierce Brosnan is still around. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that that um, that was surprising to me that he just didn't want to didn't want to come back rather than he was not allowed to come back. Um, whether or not we decide to believe that is another. There's another story. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I found it surprising that you liked the relationship between Bond and Tracy. Mm-hmm. I felt like that was 
maybe the most disappointing part of this movie. Really? Like, okay. I, I picked this movie because I knew it was the one where Bond gets married and then his wife gets killed. Yeah, I knew that too. Um, that's like the only thing I knew about this movie going in. I thought that'd be interesting. And I thought, actually, I thought, I thought that that would happen at the beginning of the movie and that would frame the events of the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. So I was a little confused when that didn't happen. Sure. I thought it'd be like a revenge story or something like that, right? And that'd be an inter- interesting way to do it. <clears throat> now, obviously, ending on it's also an interesting way to do it, but you have to sell the relationship between the two of them. And I didn't feel like they did that because, like, they interact very briefly, very little. Uh, they have a very, they have very few conversations that aren't very like romantic or anything like that. And then he shows up at the ski lodge and is immediately sleeping with other people. And yes. like, yeah. you know, there's there's nothing convincing about their relationship here that indicates that you know it would like change Bond and make him want to get married or anything like that. See, I think what I like, there, there's mostly what I liked about it was her performance. Like, I thought yeah. that she was really good and really elevated the um the role here what i think made it click for me is that when bond is receiving the pitch from her dad about you know like marry off my wild and crazy daughter and she needs a man she needs a man to to, discipline yeah did he actually say the word dominate to dominate her yeah yeah he literally said that (laughs) jesus it's like talk about language that has a totally different connotation now um but when he has that sequence like he's describing this daughter that's like this wild and crazy kid and she's totally uncontrollable and all this and what you see from diana rigg is not that right like what you see from her is like essentially an adult that doesn't want her father to be telling her what to do all the time, isn't into this dude that just showed up and decided that he's going to marry her for, you know, some money and some information. And that pushes back against that, not in a hysterical way Mm -hmm. and not in a way that to me reads as this, you know, flighty lunatic, but in a way that an adult mature woman would respond to this insane idea. And I like that the, the, the Lansby bond that we have here identifies that and essentially respects it eventually. And so when they do end up in that barn <laughs> later on in the movie, like when they have their moment together, like it kind of makes sense that he would have seen that in her, okay. uh, especially after she, you know, drives the car during the chase sequence and like yeah. rescues him after he lands at the bottom of this huge mountain after skiing on one ski and killing a bunch of dudes, right? Like that part of it, I think really worked well. Um, and to, to me that resonated. Yeah, you have to just watch around like those 60s sex romp that happens in the middle of this movie, right? Like you have yeah. to kind of acknowledge that there are Bond things that are going on here and like that is what it is. But I think if you can, there's like a core here that has like real people developing what feels to me like a real relationship that ends on a sad note and like Mm -hmm. that feels sad at the end because the relationship works for me it felt sad and then that i think that's why uh if you got something else out of it that's fine like i totally understand somebody like not being able to like get past the absurdity of this movie which is substantial well i I think the closest point of comparison is with casino royale which is basically the other movie where he falls in love with someone right correct and so you have Daniel Craig and Eva Green interacting, and I think it's done much better in that movie I agree. because they have a lot of like interesting dialogues that feel more meaningful. They have more engagement in like the action. Like there's that part where he comforts her in the shower. Yeah, it's a great that scene. That was very that was a very affecting scene. Like that whole relationship was much better sold. It was much better developed. 
Um, and so this kind of this pales in comparison to that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I agree. That yeah. <laughs> Casino Royale. I mean, it is, is your favorite movie. Yeah. So, like, yeah. Of course, I agree. I think what I find interesting in this movie, um, and why I'm willing to, like, I don't know, grade it on a curve a little bit, is I feel like the performances were kind of acting against the tropes at the time, and okay. almost against the tropes in the script. Mm-hmm. And uh, to see actors like. Not exactly fighting with the movie, but like finding these niches in the movie and like growing within that space is was compelling to me. Like the, okay. that that whereas in Casino Royale, the movie was clearly oriented more toward subverting the the masculine stereotypes and the toxic masculinity and the sheer indulgence in Bond movies. Like the the entire movie was oriented toward that purpose, and that does make for a better movie, makes for a more coherent movie makes for better characters and a better relationship, but it is not doing what happens here. And I think that there is space for these kind of like interesting projects <laughs> that yeah. uh, Her Majesty's Secret Service is. And I like that a lot about it. Um, and I, so I'm kind of curious to watch it again at some point. Yeah. Uh, this one. Yeah. What do you think, Rossman? Uh, it was a challenging, <laughs> challenging movie to watch. Because the whole time I was just like, I have no idea what's yeah. going on. Yeah, it it, like, it it took me a little bit to realize that I just shouldn't be trying. To I started out. focusing on the furniture. I was like, wow, that's like such a great example. Yeah, of know, like nineteen right? sixties like design. Yeah, yeah. The, I get you there. The, yeah, this movie had money. I yeah. think that that was clear. Like they they had money. And the Aston Martin was beautiful. It, yeah, it was. Always are. Suits oh, yeah, were great. With the mirrors down at the front of the car too. That's such a cool classic design. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, Obviously, it doesn't make sense, but it's like cool. Yeah. It, it, it has a classic look to it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, especially uh, in the context of James Bond. Yeah. I like Tracy's car a lot, too. I think it was, I think it was just an American muscle car. Yeah. You have a better African Wait, car. That's the one with the mirrors down front, right? It might be. I don't remember, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. But <laughs> yeah, I was confused by the film. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't blame you. It's a confusing movie. Yeah. It, it is. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's just undeniably true. Um, any any closing questions? Or, I'm sorry, go ahead. I, I like their take on the Bond theme. It has, okay. like, a yeah. kind of different sound to it. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah, that worked. Yeah, it was a lot. No lyrics this time. You're right. There's no lyrics in the Bond song. There is a, like, song in the middle of the movie that I think is meant to be, like, the song for this movie. It's, like, a jazz song mm. that... Um, just kind of comes out of nowhere when they're like <laughs> I uh, about that. when they're having the like fall in love sequence. Mm-hmm. That's supposed to be like the Bond song for this uh, movie. Yeah, but well, it just feels weird because you're just like, what is happening right now? Yeah, but just, yeah. I mean that's the sensation for a lot of the time. Yeah. in this movie, <laughs> like you, you kind of have to just roll with that. <laughs> I think or not, whatever. But if you want to like watch this and get anything out of it, you have to just kind of know. You're going to have to accept some things on faith when watching this. Um, any closing thoughts, Charles? Um, I mean, I just felt like this movie was missing some of the things that I like in the Bond films that I actually enjoyed. Right? Sure. Some of my favorite things are, like, the cool gadgets. I mean, like, I give credit to Bond, like, you know, doing makeshift stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I always liked the wacky gadgets that he got and always had a fun, like, Q scene. And, like, the actor who played Q was always fantastic. And it was, it was missing a lot of that. Mm-hmm. He's, he's this in time. this. He's in it, but yeah. they don't get like the he doesn't do the scene. thing. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, or like you know, bigger and better like set piece action scenes, like what the more recent ones have been able to do. You know, they don't quite have that here. Um, or like 
a cool car that's filled with gadgets. Like his car's just a normal car in this one, right? You know, that kind of thing is what I look for in a Bond film. Uh, so it's not quite here. Yeah, I mean, I I think I like this the most out of all of us. Um, it, for me, it doesn't stack up to a movie like Casino Royale yeah. or really probably Rush From Walking With Love either. But I, so it's not my favorite Bond movie, but it's the most interesting that I've yeah. seen so far. I think it qualifies as the most interesting, uh, which to me makes it worth watching. Um, so I think Absolutely. that, yeah, especially if you have the context of other Bond movies of this era, I think it's a it's an interesting movie to watch. Uh, just be aware that it's perplexing. And then that's that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, in any event, uh, we'll be back in a moment with things we've seen. Uh, we will see you then. And we're back with things we've seen. This is a section where we talk about other movies we've seen recently uh, outside of the context of this podcast. Uh, usually in theaters, uh, something like that. Uh, Crossman, what have you seen recently? I actually haven't had a chance to see a lot of films, but I've been watching um, The the Boys on oh, how Amazon is it? Prime. Sure. And it's really good. Um, I've heard great things. Yeah, so I, I think you were saying it's based on a comic? Yeah, that ran for a long time. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. I didn't know that. Um, <laughs> it's similar in concept to The Watchmen, where... It's a world where like superheroes are real, and the superheroes kind of work for this company, and the company is kind of like a freelance security company. Um, and we meet this guy, and he's about to like move in with his girlfriend, and his girlfriend is uh, killed by one of the superheroes uh, in a very graphic way, and this. Uh, like he's like very traumatized by this um and then this character called butcher kind of comes into his life played by uh keith urban and he suggests that they start investigating the superheroes with the intent to exact revenge on them okay um and it's really good uh <laughs> um it's very the show definitely wants its audience to like squirm at things mm -hmm. so it's very like a lot of like visceral gore um to the point of like almost an absurd level and a lot of like other kind of like odd sexual deviancies like among the super class that they call soups <laughs> um but the show is like trying to make its audience like feel sure. like, comfortable um it's it's really good um it's like very uh it, um, Keith Urban's great as kind of this like kind of grizzled like older character who's like kind of leading this like younger character like into the dark side, um, and the the way that it positions the superheroes is similar to Watchmen in that like they're all just like basically fascists mm -hmm. like there's no way to like control them. Mm -hmm. um, but what's interesting about this take on it is that there's a sort of like marketplace for superheroes that they like work for this company they have contracts they're um you, you know there are like dolls and movie tie-ins and sure um you know all, all those things and and each of the like kind of primary the the main like superhero group is called the seven and they're mostly similar to the justice league there's like mm -hmm. a wonder woman a superman um a batman and a um, green lantern no, but there is a um, flash, the water Aquaman. Aquaman. Okay, <laughs> yeah, there's like an Aquaman equivalent that they make fun of in the same way that yeah. like, everybody <laughs> makes fun of Aquaman. Mm -hmm. um, Damn, and yeah, it's good. It kind of like goes like to pretty dark places, and 
it's cool. I'm not all the way through it yet, but I'm I'm like pretty into it. Okay, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. As, as like a clear like anti superhero media, <laughs> but which is very rare at the moment. I think it's yeah. it's like really good. Okay. It right kind on. of like explicitly mocks like the Marvel and DC universes. Yeah. It makes sense for them to have a response to it at this point. Is yeah. Time for it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I've heard it end strong. I haven't seen it or read it. Um, but I've heard it, it has a strong ending. So yeah, yeah. something to look forward to. I think it's like a really <laughs> good critique of superheroes, which is like obvious, but done well. Have you read Watchmen? N- um, no. Okay. But uh, you've seen it. Yeah. And okay. I like Alan Moore as like a character. And I think yeah, he's, he's, like, he's a kook. He's polit- <laughs> I think he is very good politics. He does. From like the interviews that I've, I've seen with him. Yeah. And he's, I like his sort of like open curmudgeon. Yes. But, I mean, he's beyond curmudgeon. He's just like hostile to everybody. Yeah. Seems he's like, like, he's like, like bridge to- troll territory. <laughs> yes. so. Both in terms of temperament and appearance. Um, but yeah, but he's also in like his work is so well liked. Yeah, it's great. I've read a, a lot of his stuff. And yeah, it is. I, I, I ask because like, after, like it critiquing superheroes in a post Watchmen world feels redundant. Like <laughs> Watchmen is just such mm-hmm. a complete critique of the idea that I wonder what else people are saying about it. it, um, it and so I, I kind of want to see this or read it for that reason. It's it's very Watchmen, but I think it I think it's a critique of the current sure. take on superheroes and mm-hmm. brings in. Uh, neoliberalism is such like a loaded term, but, but the notion I know of you mean. like the, the the notion of like that everything is like a product to be sold, okay, is really like what this is en- engages with, okay, and explicitly engages with um, 9-11 hmm. in a way that like because Watchmen like predates nine eleven, yeah, for that it's Vietnam Watchmen, yeah, yeah, um, so. But it's still like it is Watchmen, mm-hmm. but it's it's there. There are like new things that Modernized, it's like engaging perhaps. with. Yeah, well, and it's interesting now because we're getting a Watchmen TV show on HBO in a few months. Um, that apparently is a is that soon? I, I mean, relatively soon. Like mm-hmm. we get, we had a trailer for it a while ago. Oh, now, I that then. so yeah. I, I assume it's coming I out in the foreseeable future, um, which is supposed to be just a, a unique story within the Watchmen continuity. Uh, so. Yeah, I think we are starting to see pushback on the MCU and against uh, the DC universe as well, such as it is. Um, and yeah, it's it's a good time for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's yeah, it's really, really good. It's definitely like gross, <laughs> and it like it wants. I worry a little about that. It wants to be gross. Okay, I mean that's yeah. fine. Like I'll, I'll yeah. deal with that. It's <laughs> not a big deal. Um, and Keith Urban, super good. Always, you're great. Yeah. Always. Yeah, he's just reliable in that way. Um, Charles, you and I saw a movie. Not together, but the same one. Yeah. Uh, what did so we see? we both saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yes. The, the new Tarantino film. Tell us about it. Um, well, this one is about um, end of the 60s Hollywood, and Leo DiCaprio plays uh, an actor. Rick Dalton. Um, yeah, who is on the on a downward slope in his career and he's very worried about fading into obscurity. Mm-hmm. Um, so it goes through him trying to like act his heart out and like find a new breakthrough role to jumpstart his career. Um, you also follow his stuntman um, or stunt double Brad Pitt or played by Brad Pitt um, as he goes through a few adventures and encounters um, Charles Manson's gang. Mm-hmm. 
um, and then it culminates in the night of the Sharon Tate murders. Right. Um, so, uh, Crossman, you have not seen this one, but you plan to. I plan to. Okay, so we, we will not talk about the ending of this movie, because the okay. ending is uh, spoil spoilable. Um, and I think that they're the most interesting part of this movie is the rest of it anyway. Yeah. Um, so the only thing I know is there's a flamethrower involved. Okay. Now. They set yeah. that up too. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah. But anyway, we will not we will not spoil right. it for you. And I think that there's plenty to talk about here. Um, yeah. Outside of that, for me, what I took away from this movie is I think it might be my favorite Leonardo DiCaprio performance. Oh, I yeah. really, really liked him in this movie. I thought he was great. I think that it was a, a time when I like kind of lost DiCaprio in a role, which he kind of avoids doing. Like, I think he wants us to know it's DiCaprio a lot of the time. Yeah. And I think that he's not doing that here, which is to say he's acting here. And he is playing an actor. He is playing. It a little easier. Right. And I, 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 I that uh, sequence, because he plays like a former TV cowboy, and now he's getting roped into playing the villain, like a one-off villain in a lot of other like Western TV shows in the 60s, right? Yeah, like they establish at the beginning that that means your career's done. Right, right. They have Al Pacino come along and yeah. explain that to him. Um, and he has a sequence where he is like struggling to remember his lines because he's an alcoholic and he got drunk the night he was supposed to be yeah. memorizing his lines. Um, and very desperate to give a good performance because he just got this speech from... Uh, Pacino and he like wants to prove himself that he's still legit and that he can still have a career and like be a real actor and he has this sequence where he gives that performance and like the small child that he met beforehand that's looking up to him like admires him for that performance and you see like throughout that whole sequence like his frustration his talent like that he is genuinely good sometimes you see that he is not as good as he wants to be. You see that he is genuinely just kind of a fuck up sometimes, mm -hmm. but also just like so proud when he gets it right eventually. It's such a great performance. Just that sequence no, right I there agree. is Absolutely. so good. And like that was worth the press of admission for me and really almost the highlight of the movie. Like I, I, I really, really liked DiCaprio here. I thought it was great. Uh, what'd you like about it? Or um, dislike? I don't know. How'd you feel about it? Yeah, I, I mean, this is like kind of the typical Tarantino thing where there's a lot of really great scenes that I love to just eat up, right? Like my favorite scene is probably when he's, when he meets the little girl yeah. actor for the first time and she's like a real smart ass and like yes. knows all the, all the, I don't know, tropes or whatever. Yeah. Um, but that was, I just really enjoyed that scene and like the, the writing in that scene. It was a really fun interaction. It was, you know what it reminded me of? Yeah. Um, sideways. You remember that? Oh, yeah. You remember that moment in Sideways when you have Paul Giamatti on the porch at night, and he's like describing this wine, and like throughout that yeah. conversation, you, you eventually realize he's describing himself. Yeah. And the little girl asks DiCaprio about the book he's reading. Yeah. And he's like, "Oh, it's about like this cow, this um guy that used to break horses, and he was like the best at breaking horses in the West, but then he like got injured or something, and he's like not as good as he used to be, and da da da, and like." As he's yeah. explaining the plot of this book, he, he realizes that that's his life. Like that's yeah, what and he's, he's like. He like starts to cry, and he starts to cry, like, and it, it was really good, right? Yeah. It, it's it's so good to see DiCaprio play someone that's a little bit of a loser that has real problems outside of just like you know being stranded in the wilderness or whatever. Sure. That has like personal problems and failings, yeah. and like that he is nailing it. Like yeah. it was, it was. I was really blown away by him here. I liked yeah. it a lot. Uh, a few other notes about this movie. I did feel like the ending felt like a bit of an anticlimax without like spoiling what it what happened. It, it felt like the movie built up to something that was unsatisfying to me. 
Um, but part of it is because I didn't appreciate the significance of the Sharon Tate murders or the story behind it. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't really have that context to appreciate the movie. So if you're going into it, I, I recommend you read up on those. Yeah, because I do know a little bit about the Manson murders and the, yeah. the Tate murders because of, uh, you must remember this, like their sequence, their season on the Manson murders, the podcast. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Go listen to it. Um, but podcast? you must remember this. Okay. Um, she has a, a season long sequence that just like unpacks the entire man, the bulk of the Manson story leading up to uh, Tate's murder, and it's phenomenal. It's just very, very good. Um, so I, but I was curious, like how much of that you, or how much this movie would make sense to an audience member that really doesn't know. Right. That I only much heard about a vague it. idea of it, and so it just. The events didn't feel that significant to me. Right. And it felt like the whole movie was building up to that, and it was weirdly anticlimactic to me. Right. Um, and I, we're not discussing the ending that much, so Crossman, if you go and see the movie and decide to come back and talk about it, we'll, we can talk about that then. But what uh, the other thing I really liked about this movie, speaking of Sharon Tate, is Margot Robbie. Mm -hmm. She was great. She was really, really good. I liked she her a lot here. in it that much. She wasn't, but I think that when she was in it, she was just like so purely innocently charming yeah that it really like that that moment when she goes to see her own movie in the theater and like her scene gets a laugh and she's just like thrilled and she has like her big giant glasses on like that was my favorite moment of the movie like okay a close the, the DiCaprio sequence is a close second but uh Sharon Tate going to the movies and like watching herself on screen was Utterly charming. I, I loved that. Okay. Like, I actually that went to great. the bathroom during that. Scene. Oh, you missed so the best part, man. Was, <laughs> there we go. It was so good. This is the clock's in at like three hours. It's right? natural. It's a long movie. Yeah, it's, I think it's a, maybe a shade under three hours, but it's, it's be prepared. Yeah. yeah. But I, I, I think it's worthwhile. Another problem I had with the movie was the Brad Pitt character. You didn't like Pitt? So there's a lot of controversy over the depiction of Bruce Lee in this movie. Oh, and yeah. I went in knowing about that scene, mm -hmm. and the scene was maybe worse than I imagined. Mm. Um, and it really left the sour taste in my mouth after it because they really emasculate Bruce Lee in that scene. And it left me feeling like Brad Pitt's character was overly, um, overly cocky uh, and overly competent. Like he's just way too good at everything. And he never pays for for any of his overconfidence or cockiness. Like he never his character never changes. He never learns anything. And he never really pays for it. Right? Yeah, like, well, that, he, that left me feeling kind of angry at him because he he always gets away with it. Essentially, is what his story is. Yeah, well, he, well, he he's like a constant set against like the more mercurial DiCaprio character, right? Because they're you know opposite ends of a spectrum. Here. Yeah, it was just um, funny how that scene shaped my perception of him um, into that of like I guess resentment. Okay. See, because I I guess I didn't I didn't immediately read the Bruce Lee sequence as as negatively as some folks did. I mean, they, uh -huh. they end in a tie. Like, I didn't... Like, cause yeah, the, the, I mean, he's fucking Bruce Lee. Right, right. And so this I, is some random dude. Right. So I I, I understand the pushback. And they, they clearly portrayed his, like, kind of high-pitched, like, martial arts voice in a that comedic way. That was almost mocking, and that's too bad. Yeah. It was definitely mocking. Yeah. Brad Pitt, like, directly mocks him yeah. at one point, and that's what really, like, sealed the deal for me on that scene. Yeah, that was a, I, I, yeah, I agree. That was a bad choice. I, I wasn't into that. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I hear that critique. Uh, but the high points of this movie for me are very high. Um, I, I, oh, yeah, I, absolutely. I liked it a lot, um, and I think it's one people are going to be thinking about and unpacking for a while, and I'm glad that we have like a discourse about this movie and not, you know, yet another Marvel movie or something. Like we have something <laughs> else to talk about, even if you didn't like it that much. Um, okay, Crossman, 
It's your selection. What are we watching? I've never seen the Tom Cruise movie Cocktail. Okay. I love Tom Cruise. More Tom Cruise is a good thing. So we'll great. see. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Yes, we will. I mean, there aren't many movies that he makes worse, right? Like Tom Cruise in the movie, but it's a positive for me. That's fair. Yeah. I, I haven't seen um, The Mummy. Okay. Yet. I hear that one. <laughs> I hear that one's uh, not good. Despite, but it's probably not good despite Tom Cruise. No, I've heard it's not because, actually bad. Because of Tom Cruise? In it. Oh, okay. man. Okay. Well, I almost want maybe, to see it just to, to yeah. see if that can happen. That would be, I didn't know that was possible. I've heard it's unwatchable. That would be a novelty. Um, but cocktail. Cocktail it is. Okay. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, we hope you enjoyed the show. If you do, please share it with people. We are on Facebook. We are on SoundCloud. Uh, we are personally accessible. We are on Google Play and iTunes and various other pod catchers um, such as it is <laughs> um, and we will see you next week for cocktail